We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest in Kansas City soccer coverage from KCSN. Featuring No Other Pod with Jimmy Mack and Daniel Kuser. Currently with Daniel Kuser and Chris Wright. And Soccer Talks with Ali Trost-Martin. KC Sports Network is your new go-to for Kansas City soccer coverage. Make sure to hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. And now, let's get to it. Hey everyone, and welcome into another episode of Soccer Talks with Ali Trost-Martin. I've got a little bit of a different show this week. Um, there's a lot going on, of course, in the world of soccer right now, in the NWSL, a lot of news coming out, the World Cup, of course, going on, MLS offseason, but it's so hard to focus on a lot of that right now as the soccer community uh, and sports community mourns the loss of American soccer journalist Grant Wall, who died just a week ago in Qatar while covering the World Cup. Um, it's really hard to try to put into words the impact that Grant Wall has had on the sport of soccer, especially growing it here in the United States. But beyond that, it's the type of person that he was that I think is what makes this loss like just hurt so bad for so many people because Grant, despite having reached this incredible status in in his career, um, just the work that he did and, and how well-regarded he was for um, his profession and, and, and what he achieved in, in that part of his life, the type of person he was, was someone who was always like looking over his shoulder behind him at the next generation of soccer reporters or, or people within this sport who, who loved it so much. He, there's so many stories online right now that you, so many people sharing similar stories about how Grant Wall either introduced them to somebody that helped them get a job or recommended them for a job or went on their podcast, their radio show, gave them words of encouragement that, that helped, you know, give them the confidence in, in going forward in, in this career path and in, in the sport of soccer. And it's just the way that he made time to do that for so many people um, while also being so committed to, to his work and his craft. It's just, he was an, an incredible person. Um, I certainly was not the closest by any means um, with Grant Wall, but, you know, just like everybody else in this space feels like, you know, going back through my messages 
found, you know, so many times of just little exchanges here or there. Um, congratulations after my husband and I got engaged and just a willingness always to, to help anybody and everybody. Um, he just was one of a kind and um, someone that will be incredibly missed. And um, in order to talk about his life and legacy today, I wanted to bring on two guests also from the uh, Kansas, Kansas City area, just as Grant Wall was. He grew up, was born in Mission, Kansas and went to Shawnee Mission East High School. Um, two people who similarly decided to uh, pursue careers in soccer, Andrew Weeby with MLSsoccer.com and Nate Katie, the voice of Sporting Kansas City, are going to join me on the show today to talk about their relationship with Grant and also, you know, what he meant to them as as someone who I think everybody in this in this sport and in this industry looked up to. So um, that is what is coming up on the show today. But as always, we are presented by Emprise Bank. You can open an account with Emprise Bank in less than five minutes. Savings just start there, though, because Emprise Bank is a trusted partner with a variety of products and services to help you achieve all of your goals. So don't be tethered to a brick building. Start a meaningful relationship with a bank that has your best in mind. All right, our first guest on the show today, Andrew Weeby, host of many things over at MLSsoccer.com. Weeby, how's it going? It's going great. World Cup is uh, building to the final. The offseason MLS is off and running. And I'm prepping for the Super Draft. So I'm learning a lot about college soccer. Congratulations to Syracuse. That's the first and only time I will ever congratulate Syracuse <laughs> on a national title as a KU grad and KU fan. But uh, big win for them. All right. Before um, we get into you know what I brought you on to talk about today, which is, of course, our friend Grant Wall, who I think you can say friend even if you didn't even know him all that well because he made everyone feel um, like a friend if they were in the soccer world. What uh, what's maybe stood out to you about this this college draft class coming through? Well, I, look, there's some news to come out. I think we'll have a good number of underclassmen, uh, and I think that bodes well, which means you'll have some generation Adidas talent coming through. So right now in MLS, in domestic soccer, we're looking at MLS Next Pro. We're looking at MLS Next. We're looking at these academies start to churn out so many of the players that you see on the field in MLS but also some of them that you saw on the field at the World Cup for the U.S. and Canada and others. So um, there is still a ton of talent coming out of every single mechanism in this country when it comes to youth development, and college soccer is no different. I think in some circles, um, the opinion of college soccer has sort of dropped off. But just think, Tejon Buchanan, Miles Robinson, there are big-time players that came out of the college ranks. So I'm always curious to see who are the, I don't know, you never know the number. Let's say 5 to 10, maybe if we're lucky, 15 guys that are able to make an impact on MLS and who are the five that are able to be sort of elite players down the line. That's always the big question mark. So I'm curious about that, but uh, the biggest thing for me is just seeing dreams come true. You know, these kids have worked for years and years and years. They've dreamed about this moment. And even if the super draft is not what the NFL draft is or what the NBA draft is or what major league baseball's draft is where you're saying, Hey, this guy could be a difference maker almost immediately at the very, very highest level. This is the culmination of hard work. This is the culmination of support from parents, of coaches, from schools, from clubs over many years. Uh, this is a really important moment in these kids' lives. So I I'm always just really proud to be a part of uh, telling them where they're going, delivering that moment so they can hug their parents, cry, do whatever they need to do, take a phone call, call grandma and grandpa. So that's the best part for me. Uh, and it also sort of this year becoming in December, 
Mark's just, it's like the starting gun. This offseason yeah. is going to be crazy, and then we're going to be right into it in February, so I can't wait. Well, hey, everybody's journey starts somewhere, and that is definitely one of the, the coolest things about the draft in any sport. But um, let's start with Andrew Wiebe's career and how that was influenced and impacted by Grant Wall, who, of course, is one of now I, we're kind of collecting quite a, a crew of soccer impact reporters, journalists coming from the Kansas and Kansas City areas. Yeah, so I'll start, uh, you know, Grant impacted my personal career where I am now in a couple really significant ways. And I'll get to that in a second. But I just want to start with, uh, like, as a kid, sort of the name recognition of Grant Wall, because this is my adult life. You know, I'm I'm 36 now. I'm, I, I've got kids. I'm living a different life. But I remember a time in my life where I would wait for my dad to bring Sports Illustrated, the magazine, the physical magazine. I'm sure some of us of a certain age uh, remember those days home from his office. And he had it, you know, he, he was an attorney. He had his own law office. He had all these magazines that he subscribed to, to keep in the waiting room. And SI was one of those. And I always told my dad, like, it's fine. The rest of those people can, you know, Wall Street Journal, whatever it was, people can read those at your office, but you are not keeping SI at your office for a day longer than you receive it. Once you receive it, you have to bring it home because I was just, you know, sports addicted, Wichita Eagle sports section every morning at the, at the, breakfast table and when sports illustrated came in that was the pinnacle you know we didn't have the internet we didn't have access to all these different things but sports illustrated was the tastemaker for me it was where i read these really deeply reported you know both sports and human stories it's where you got the best commentary it's where these these photos just jumped off the page and i was a huge college basketball fan i i'm my parents are ku grads i ended up going to the university of kansas the, the jayhawks are in my blood and we're in my blood from the jump and Grant was the college basketball guy at Sports Illustrated. And I remember opening up every Sports Illustrated and you scan through sort of the masthead and you scan through the stories and they've always got the author next to them because that was so important for Sports Illustrated, having the prestige of these reporters and these, these writers and looking for Grant Wall's name and not knowing anything about him other than I know I want to read what Grant Wall writes because I love college basketball. I did not know in those early days that Grant Wall was a Kansan. I did not know that he grew up, you know, down the road from me. All I knew was that, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, through sort of my middle school, early middle school days into high school, that when I picked up that magazine and I saw Grant Wall's name, it was going to be something that I really wanted to read. And, you know, over the years, you also started to see that little, that little byline pop up in the like odds and ends section. I don't know if you remember that. You had the main stories, yeah. and odds and ends, and he would always yeah. be in the odds and ends with some random soccer fact. And I read the whole magazine back to front. I did not skip a single thing in that magazine. And it started to sort of dawn on me. And then as I got into soccer around the 06 World Cup, he was this behemoth. And I was just, I was looking to learn. And if you were looking to read, to learn, to understand North American soccer or international soccer living in North America, I mean, Grant Wall was sort of the prism that you viewed that through because he was that guy in the mainstream, out front, leading the way. Um, so I, I can I can say that even though I didn't know Grant in those times, I felt like I did just through his writing. Uh, and that's I think as a for a, for a reporter for a, for a writer, that's the biggest compliment you can pay somebody. So he was really like all of Andrew Wiebe's greatest sports loves, it, it feels like Grant Wall was kind of there, um, you know, starting from the very beginning. So you, you mentioned starting to see him get more and more into the the soccer coverage as you followed his journey at, at SI. 
when do you first remember meeting him and interacting with him? Because what year did you, you said 06 World Cup was when you first started getting into yeah. it. Yeah. Like, what was, I mean, I was a freshman in college in 06. I had freshman, after my freshman year at KU, and I, I had an internship, but it was in the afternoon, and 06 was the World Cup in the morning in Germany. And I would go to my buddy's house, and we'd watch it, and then I'd go to my internship. And at that time, I was just like, man, what do I want to do with my life? I had no idea. You know, I think I was in business school at KU, and I didn't do well in accounting 201. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, maybe this isn't for me. And so I, I sort of looked around. I knew I liked to write. I knew I liked sports. And I went to the Daily Kansan offices, and I said, hey, can I write about something um, on the sports page? And I switched into the journalism school, and I started writing about women's golf, which is funny because I'm a golf nut now. And then soccer. <laughs> I begged them to let me write about soccer. And I started writing columns about Major League Soccer and U.S. soccer. And it was just a start. And it took me a couple years, and I, I did a bunch of freelance stuff back in those days on the Wizards, et cetera. And I, I got a job at Major League Soccer um, and, and sort of a, a dream come true thing. I moved to New York City, and Major League Soccer was like, hey, you're young. Uh, a bunch of our other editors and folks are not young. They have kids. They don't want to hit the road for six weeks in the summer to cover the Gold Cup. Would you like to do it? And my jaw just sort of dropped. And I honestly don't remember the first time I met Grant. Um, but if I had to guess, it would be either the 2012 MLS Cup or it would be U.S. M&T games in that sort of era leading up to 2014. And of course, he was in the press pool that was covering that team. And I was this young buck reporter who was just like, pinch me. Am I here? Is this really happening? Working around sort of my idols in the soccer space and learning from them. And I just always remember looking at the example that Grant set in the way that he asked questions, in the way that he dealt with the PR staffs, in the way that he worked, in what he produced off any given sort of media availability and comparing that to what I did and trying to understand and learn how he worked, what he saw, what he understood about this environment that I was sort of, you know, dipping a toe in and how I could learn from him. He was my example. And, you know, we connected over being from a similar place. I think he always connected with people that he saw had the same flame inside them that he did, which is just a love for the game and a desire and a hope to see that game grow and occupy the space. And, you know, in American sports that those of us who truly do adore it, believe it should occupy, you know, like we don't want to take over. We don't want to be like, Hey, NFL, you're out NBA bath, whatever. These are all traditional things. But I think we all understood that there's a culture and there's space for this culture in this sport within the greater American sporting marketplace um, and within our hearts to be something that we know it can be elsewhere in the world. I, you know, Grant spent a lot of time in Argentina early on in his career around his college days. And I think that's where some of his love came from. My love came from being right here in the U S and my, I think some of the, the chops I have on the journalism side absolutely came from watching, from emulating, from trying to uh, be like Grant wall. You know, he was the example. Yeah, they say don't meet your heroes, but he he doesn't really fit in that category because I feel like every single person just reading the countless numbers of, of you know, testimonies to, to who he was, the stories, it just like everyone had this shared experience. I'm like, how did this guy have the time to really connect yeah, with so many people? And that's reach one good question. So many. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Before I question. even before I even had the sideline job with sporting in 2021. He was like congratulating me on Tom and I's engagement. Um, you know, I, I was really like just kind of starting out at that point. So it's like the fact that I was even on his radar um, was like an honor. So you said that 
you know, you kind of remember when you, you met him, is there a story in your mind that stands out, whether it was one where you all were together in person or, or just a story that you'll remember about Grant? Well, I think, I think I would go to, there's a number of different stories and, and sort of conversations, but I think there's one that sticks out the most to me. And I'm trying to remember where exactly it was. I think it was during the 2013 gold cup and Grant was a, a big timer. You know, I was just out here scrapping around. I was like trying to figure it out, but Grant was big time. And I remember we needed to go uh, somewhere to, to cover something or we were leaving a, a you know, a, a training session to go back to our hotels, et cetera. And I was like, oh man, I gotta, maybe I gotta get a cab or call an Uber. Like I don't have a ride. I'm just like sort of begging around for rides. And Grant's like, hey, ride with me, ride with, I think it's from an airport. Maybe we like saw each other at the airport. It's like that part of it doesn't matter. And he had a, he had a car. It was a nice car. It's all I remember. Uh, and a driver and I got in the back seat with him and he sort of just like grilled me on like who I, you know, we connected on Kansas city and Kansas, the chiefs, KU, like who I was, what I wanted to do in the business you know, how I had gotten to this point in my career. He gave me a little bit of advice and he just said, you know, let me know if you ever need anything. And then uh, after that 2013 gold cup into that winter, um, he called me and he said, Hey, there's an open job at sports illustrated. I think you'd be great for. And I applied for the job. It was for the soccer editor role at their website at SI.com. And I would be editing grant. I'd be editing Brian Strauss and covering, you know, soccer across the world. And I was maybe two years into doing this full time. And I just thought, oh my God, you know, this is the magazine. This is the publication that when I was a kid was everything to me, you know, like I collected yeah. sports illustrateds in a box. It was like it, that the day that it came home every week was a big day in my childhood. And I just, I almost couldn't believe it. I remember calling my parents and thinking I, I might work for sports illustrated. And, you know, I go in an interview and it, and the interview kind of felt like a, you know, it kind of felt like I, I had the job in a way because Grant had the things that Grant had said about me were so glowing and he had he did not have to do that in any way. Um, and, I, and I got offered the job and I it was a it was one of the most difficult professional decisions I've ever had to make. I went to Major League Soccer and I said, hey, I have this offer. You know, I, I think I got to take it. And they said, you know, I, I get it. And Greg Lawless at the time was was my boss. He said, I completely understand. But what if we sent you to Brazil for the World Cup? Would that change your mind? And, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's a tough decision. And I, I decided to stay. I, I, I wanted to go to Brazil. You know, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I may not have gotten that opportunity had it not been for Grant advocating for me for a job that I might not have been truly qualified for at a publication at that time. And SI went through a lot of issues, obviously, and are still doing good work. But at that time, they were they were Sports Illustrated. Um, you know, always be thankful to him for just for just believing and advocating for somebody he didn't truly know that well, you know, but but that he saw a talent in, I guess, that he saw a drive in and said, I think that would be good for what we're doing. Uh, and just the idea that he would want to work with me, I think really validated me in the space and made me believe, hey, this is something... This isn't just like a, you know, a, a kickabout for me. Like I moved to New York City and I'll do this for a couple of years and move on to something else. It made me feel like, you know, I can do I can do this uh, and I can yeah. be a part of this. And uh, then to see him at events throughout the years and and connect again uh, was always special. But uh, that that moment in particular sticks out to me because I think it, it put me on a path that I'm still on and I may not have been on without uh, his advocacy. 
I, I love I love that because I think so many people in their professional careers, you can always look back on whether it's a person or a moment or a combination of a number of people kind of giving you that confidence to to keep pushing through because early on you're you're so shaky still. Like one thing could maybe knock you off that path and send you in a completely different direction. So that's awesome and so cool because you have contributed and and will continue to continue to contribute so much to the soccer space. So um, very thankful that that grant played a part in your story like that. And, and I'm just one of so many like that's, I think yeah. that's, that's the legacy that he leaves as you see all these messages, you, you as well. I mean that the legitimacy that just one compliment can give you what, what one little bit of support or a bit of networking or connection can provide to somebody. And it seemed like grant, as you said, was just always so committed and, and, <laughs> willing to give his time to those things. I just want to add one more thing on Grant and his legacy, because I think the legacy of people, to me, that's the most important one that any of us can um, can make and maintain, and his is so strong. But I'll also say the legacy of history. We, I'm a big proponent of sort of understanding and studying our soccer history and, and our history as people and, you know, Americans and, and just, you know, humans in general and how that can inform us later on. But you cannot write, and somebody will, and people will want to go back and think about this, this period of soccer history and beyond, because he dug back in, will not be able to be written without Grant's work. The volume of work, the quality of work, the commitment to uh, telling stories both in soccer and human stories inside the world of soccer um, are irreplaceable and extremely valuable to us as a soccer um, culture. And without Grant doing that work and pushing into that space and giving up maybe the prestige of college basketball or wherever else he could have gone at Sports Illustrated and beyond to say soccer is my thing and I'm going to do it as well as I possibly can, we we will not be able to tell those stories, to remember those stories, and build on those stories. So I, I look to Grant as an example in that sense. I look to Grant as an example of someone who covered institutions in this game and demanded equity and justice from those institutions better than anybody in the u.s and maybe the world uh, those are legacies that he leaves that are incredibly powerful and that i hope uh that i hope people can build off of including ourselves yeah no i mean if you are to pick someone in this industry who is like you did early in your career where you try to emulate i mean he is Definitely the uh, the gold standard in so many ways and will be incredibly missed. Weeby, thank you so much for coming on and talking about Grant, his impact in your personal, professional career in your life. I know we'll all miss him so much, but hearing these stories, I, I know just even reading so many testimonials and my heart goes out to his entire family and, and those that were closest with him. But um, man, just really comforting reading so many great things about an incredible journalist and, and person. A soccer pioneer. I think uh, we soccer can always say pioneer. that. A soccer pioneer. Thank you, Ali. It's always wonderful to chat with you. Thanks, Weeby. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Joining me next on the show is Nate Bucati. You know him for all of his incredible work covering Sporting Kansas City as the voice of Sporting Kansas City. You've seen him on Fox calling games across MLS for them, Gold Cup as well. And of course, you hear him on the Border Patrol here in Kansas City on Sports Radio 810. And Nate's become my good friend now over the years, so it feels weird introducing you by your titles, Nate. But um, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. I've been waiting for this, you know, since you started this podcast, Allie, I've been jealously like keeping track of all the other guests that have been uh, invited on your show, just like hoping that I get the call. So this is a, this is a big time honor for me. I'm excited today. Okay. Well, in my defense, we were also doing this uh, soccer capital of America podcast at the exact same time. So it was, we, we had plenty of podcast things going on, but I will be having you on again because today my focus is, is less on all of the, the, and that was kind of what felt so strange getting ready to do a show this week was that, you know, there's so much going on in soccer right now. The MLS offseason is off and running. You've got the Super Draft coming up. You've got the World Cup going on right now. Yet all of us, I think, in the back of our minds just keep coming back to this incredible loss that we all experienced in the soccer community last week as Grant Wall uh, tragically passed away covering the World Cup down in Qatar and I know, Nate, you had him on the Soccer Capital of America podcast just recently. I had been messaging him just a week before. And in thinking about that, it was just like this guy who was at the at the very top in terms of, you know, soccer coverage, journalism he had had done and achieved so much was yet so accessible to everybody. And so the fact that, you know, he was coming on our show here in Kansas city was, was messaging with me on Instagram and I'm sure countless other people. It's just, you know, this person who in, in every right could have just been off and doing his own thing was, was widely accessible to so many people. And and so his loss, I, I think has really um, struck everybody. And, and I know we were all, all messaging about it and, and really just wanted to use this show as an opportunity to just talk about the kind of person that he was and his impact and, on the game and, and his legacy as well. So I guess we'll just start there and, and kind of what your initial thoughts about Grant Wall are as we, as we reflect on his life and legacy. You know, Ali, it's, I guess it's easy to get philosophical when you talk about something like this. So I, I guess hopefully you'll allow it here, but I, I've been thinking a lot about that day, uh, Friday of last week, because I, I don't know about you, but there's so many moments in my life in which it seems like some of the greatest things that have happened to me have come at the exact same time as, as something equally tragic on the opposite side of it. And I 
Now, I know like maybe the concept of yin and yang, you know, comes to mind about these things. I mean, I can think about when I got to make my Fox debut calling a game, uh, which was a big deal for me in the Gold Cup, came at the exact same time that my dad was hospitalized with COVID and I wasn't sure if he was going to come out. Um, and and Friday, that's just one example, by the way, but but Friday was up until the moment that I learned about Grant's situation one of the greatest soccer days I remember ever having in my life. Um, you know, just from a personal standpoint, being a a, Sla- a, a, a an inner city, Kansas City, Kansas uh, Catholic from Slavic roots, my grandparents being from Poland, I grew up in this neighborhood where uh, all these other, you know, people in the same boat went to church and, and socialized. And so we all went down to St. John the Baptist Social Club, which is an area where I grew up. And that's the Croatian church in, the, in those neighborhoods. And, and they still have this vibrant community of people who uh, who are just wildly enthusiastic about Croatia. And so when they play in the World Cup, they have these great watch parties. And honest to God, that, that place, St. John's Catholic Club, is to me the coolest bar in all of Kansas City. And almost nobody knows about it. And I grew up down there and with a lot of the some, those people and. I got together with a few of my old high school friends that I don't get to see very often and a bunch of other old friends, and it just brought back all these memories. Then we watched this incredible game where Croatia beats Brazil. And then my friends and I, since we hadn't gotten together in a long time, it turned into like a high school reunion. We went to another place, and we watched the Argentina-Netherlands game, and that game was incredible. Both of those games were just absolutely phenomenal, and everything that you love about the World Cup and about soccer And to me, my favorite thing about sports, honestly, is that it's a vehicle for moments like that to happen for you to go reconnect with old friends from school, um, you know, to go back to the neighborhood where you grew up for this connection that you have with other people. And uh, and the World Cup was embodying all of those things that day. And when I got home, I was just I was talking a mile a minute to my wife about what a phenomenal day it was. And then we went to dinner that night down on the plaza. My, My wife and our kids and I every year we. We go down to the plaza during the the lighting, you know, when the plaza lights are on, we take a carriage ride and we do all that. And that was our night to do it. And I was sitting at dinner and my phone started blowing up with text messages from you and from everybody we know in the soccer world. Have you seen this stuff that's out about Grant Wall? And I was trying to not be that guy that's sitting at, t- at the dinner table with his family staring at his phone, but it was impossible And I told my wife at some point, I'm really sorry about this, but I just can't believe what I'm seeing right now. And it was just as as wonderful as the whole day had been, all of a sudden this this tragedy of of, of equal or greater proportion was was like coming face to face with us. And in a lot of ways, I think it kind of mirrors the conversation that we had with Grant Wall on the Soccer Capital of America podcast leading up to the World Cup. This World Cup on the field has been phenomenal to me. It has had upsets. It has had stories of human triumph and 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 the passions of and histories of nations. And now we get this amazing final coming up between maybe the greatest player of his generation in his last ever World Cup and the and the newcomer greatest player of his generation who's already won a World Cup. We've got all these storylines and everything but it comes at the backdrop of all of this tragedy and um, um, angst over the human rights issues that, that are at play here and the corruption that, that led to this world cup being where it is. And 
Grant really covered all of it, right? Like he did, he didn't just say, Hey, there's all this tragic stuff happening. So I'm not going to cover the soccer. He didn't say, Hey, this soccer is what I'm here for. So I'm not going to cover the tragic stuff. He covered it all. And I think that maybe, uh, and that's a very long answer to your question, Allie, but for me, that's what I just keep thinking about is that is, is Grant Wall encompassed the yin and yang of life. And he seemed to understand the importance of all of it and give it all it's just due, which I, I think is a big compliment. I would like to pay him as a human and as a writer. Yeah. And it's an important part of his legacy as well for as, as incredible and just decorated of a sports writer that he was, he, he never shied away from the hard topics or, or things that while other people might, you know, tread lightly, he, he dove all the way in and to make sure that, he was, I, I think, not just upholding, um, you know, his journalistic integrity, but his personal integrity. I, I think as a human, every story that I've read or or just thing that I didn't know about him that I've gotten to know now in the last week, I mean, he really was exact. like he was the same guy to everybody, I think, who who came across him, um, which is incredible. And he and he never compromised on on his on his values. When we look at his impact on soccer. I'm curious when you were first getting into to it. Weeby had mentioned to me earlier on the show, you know, going to KU and being a huge college basketball fan. He read a lot of Grant Wall early on uh, as a kid growing up because he was a big college basketball fan. And of course, Grant started his his journey at SI doing a lot of college basketball coverage. When when was the first time that you remember um, reading or, or following some of Grant's work as he went from college basketball and then really kind of devoted his life and career to, to soccer? You know, I, I will admit, I, I I know I read some of his stuff at Sports Illustrated back when he was doing college basketball, but that wasn't really when I started to know who he was. It was really more when I started to realize what a soccer fan I really was. And it was it became clear to me, I don't know, around 2006, honestly, that, that soccer was my favorite sport. Um, and I started really, you know, craving more coverage of the sport of soccer. And that's one of the things that to me, a lot of people have shared this sentiment and I'm, I'm glad they are doing so. And it deserves to be repeated. That's to me, one of the biggest legacies professionally that Grant leaves behind is there, I think there was an entire wave of people like me around that time that were really starting to understand the global aspect of soccer and why it was so popular everywhere else in the world. And we wanted to be a part of it and we wanted more of it. And there just wasn't much coverage of it domestically. And it wasn't taken very seriously domestically. And obviously there's still a lot of room for growth there, but I just think even the fact that you and I are sitting here having this conversation, two sportscasters in Kansas city who on at least some level have been mainstream, right? We, we aren't just people that cover soccer and, um, yeah. But but soccer is this big passion of ours, and we take it as seriously as we do all the other sports, if not more so. I think there are people like that all over the country now, um, and you and I can sit here and talk about all the different people that are diving into soccer media in Kansas City with a real amount of gusto and, and passion and all of that that maybe didn't exist a decade ago even. And I think that Grant Wall is, is one of the people that really – set the groundwork for that to become reality. He did such a great job covering the sport of soccer domestically and globally that he was respected globally by other people who had been de dedicated to soccer their whole lives, but also by um, mainstream sports people in the United States 
who maybe before didn't really consider soccer as a sport that was worth serious consideration. And so I do think he has like, he has inspired an entire wave of people like Andrew and, and us that uh, yeah, this sport it is worthy of real conversation and and fans in this country are capable and interested in hearing that type of conversation. And I think Grant was really one of the first people to give us that. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Entertain, educate, inform KC Sports Network. I saw something I think Blair Kirkhoff wrote that, you know, kind of who like took my, my breath away. And that was, you know, just the fact that the World Cup is coming to North America in 2026 and Kansas City, you know, Grant's hometown getting to be a host city, something that he, you know, would have loved to have been a part of and, and loved to have seen. And I'm sure there will be all sorts of memorials and things put up, um, you know, when that time comes. But just, um, when you when we look forward to now the uh, World Cup final this weekend, just to circle it all the way back to how um, we started the show and talking about what an incredible soccer day that was, um, you know, it, it does feel like a, a final that you know Grant would be like so thrilled as we all are so thrilled and excited to watch. Um, so just taking it on the field, what are you most excited about watching this World Cup final? It's ironic that I, I'm a person who tends to uh, lean far more into the team than into the individual, you know, um, and that's one of the things I like so much about soccer is that it, it is a team sport. It really um, it's the collective group that tends to decide whether or not you have success more than it is one individual. And I think that's why in many ways the conversation around whether or not Lionel Messi needs to win a World Cup or Cristiano Ronaldo needs to win a World Cup to cement their legacy. Um, I, I've heard this, this kind of rhetorical question posed. If Lionel Messi had happened to be from, let's say, the Faroe Islands you know, or someplace yeah. that has no prayer of winning the World Cup and he never won a World Cup, would that mean he wasn't the greatest player to ever live? And I, I think that's a fair question. But he doesn't play for the Faroe Islands, right? He plays for one of the greatest soccering nations in the world and a, a country that has a proud history of winning, uh, winning trophies at the highest level. He does have some amazing talent around him. And I want to see if he can finish this deal. And I know that it's not entirely fair to say that he needs a World Cup to finish his legacy, but it will be said by many, many people. And I, for one, hope that he gets to win it so that all those people have to shut up. And, um, and, and I just, I'm a big fan. I, I do think he's the greatest player I've ever seen. And I don't know that I'm qualified to say whether or not he's better than Pele. I do think his overall body of work has proven to be better than a Diego Maradona. But Maradona carried his team to World Cups. So, you know, I, I understand that part of the argument as well. But I just think that that concept, what you have here is, is two nations that, that are steeped in history. These are blue bloods of world soccer. So they have rosters of phenomenal players. But you have Mbappe versus Messi. You have uh, the, the, the man that many people say is the greatest player to ever live in his last World Cup. I'm not going to rule out that he could come back as a 39-year-old, at least as a bench player, but we'll see. But he's not going to carry his team next World Cup the yes. way he is leading his team this World Cup. So winning this one would be more would mean more because he is still the 
he'll win the golden ball if they win the um the world cup and he might win the it'll probably win the golden boot too if they win the world cup so uh, you have him against the guy that everybody says is the new greatest player in the world and has already won a world cup so i just i do think that as much as i love the team concept you can't escape the individual uh star power in this game and so when you when you factor that in you factor the passion of the two nations involved the history of the two nations involved and just the quality of game that i think we're going to see i just can't wait i just think it's going to be absolutely everything you dream of in a, in a world cup final i'm so excited and i i feel like i'm always kind of this way i'm always rooting because i you know, I've been a Messi fan my whole life as a as a smaller soccer <laughs> stature yep. soccer player. Just what he his level of skill is is just unbelievable, and it's it, it just watching him is just like a joy because he he's just so insanely talented. And I like it's really hard for me to root for teams to go back to back, like unless it's my own team. I yeah. rarely am ever rooting for anyone to to do it twice in a row unless it is my own team or my own country that I'm rooting for. So I am going to be uh, singing the songs of the Argentina fan base and rooting for uh, for Messi this weekend because it is uh, it, it would be amazing. And you're right, I think it would silence a lot of people who, um, you know, the the debates that you have across every sport. You, you got to have these trophies to to really back up your argument. So one other storyline to me that I like about this is whether or not we find this Argentina team likable. Um, I, I saw Ian Dark take to Twitter, and I'm, I'm a massive fan of Ian Dark. I think he's one of the best soccer commentators in the world. I hope to, to just try to be somewhere in his league someday. You know, I, So I'm not saying anything, but he, he basically said, I don't think this Argentina team is very likable. The way they taunted the Dutch players after they won in penalties, these heartbroken players. I saw a lot of people going back at him saying, what about all the stuff the Dutch were doing leading up to that moment? Um, but what, what stood out to me about it was – we're seeing a different type of Messi in this tournament who was a little angrier, who is, uh, a, has, does seem to have a little bit more of an edge to him. He's always been, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo's always been the, the, the player that wears the fancy sunglasses and the Speedos on the beach and wants everybody to know that he's the biggest, larger than life character and has this kind of unbearable ego about him. And Messi always has almost seemed meek, you know, almost like he's embarrassed of his talent a little bit. This quiet little guy who just happens to be a, a, a virtuoso or whatever the, the right yeah. phrase, word is there. And, and it seems to me like that whole Argentina team. And look, I, we've, you and I have spoken with people from Argentina. We, we talked to Felipe Gutierrez, and he talks about just the weight that you carry when the entire country is monitoring your every move. And, and you can't go anywhere or do anything without an entire mob of people paying attention to what you're doing. And, and those expectations seem to weigh on these players a lot. And it seems like this Argentina team almost just has like a big middle finger out to everybody. You know, maybe even in some ways their own fan base. Like, we're going to do this whether anybody thinks we can or not, and we'll fight anybody to get there. And it's this definite us, us against the world type mentality. And I actually disagree with Ian Dark on that a little bit. I think that edge is what makes them the favorite to win this thing this time around, as opposed to in the past where maybe it was 
man, we got to win this thing or everybody back home is going to destroy us. You know, that yeah. pressure, I thought you could see it in 2014 when they played. So that's another part of the story that I actually like. And, and it's why I think Argentina is going to win this game. Well, I, I always have a hard time like criticizing how a team or an individual like approaches their job, especially when their job is to go out. And I mean, it's not like the Invicta fights out that we're on, on the call for Nate, where you're getting in a cage and it's literally just you one V one. You got to kind of kick somebody's ass to, to, (laughs) to get where you're trying to go. But like when it comes to what like motivates a team and whatever that is for, for a team, like, let that be it. You don't have to be the most likable team to go out and win something. Teams go out and win things all the time, I'm sure, being, you know, likable and fine. But it, I just, I think yeah, whatever look, motivates you, good. I, I'm not going to sit here and and, uh, and advocate for poor sportsmanship or taunting your opponents or anything no. like that. But, you know, whatever. I don't really care, honestly. That's, to me, at the end of the day, these guys understand if they go win this world cup, they'll be the most beloved people in Argentina for the rest of their lives. If they lose everybody's going to be mad at them and come up with every reason that it's their fault. They didn't win. And when it comes to the rest of the world, they shouldn't really care. Right? Like they're like, people are going to love you or hate you when you win. And a lot of times people line up to hate you when you win. So to me, that shouldn't be a consideration at all. Yeah. I'm, I, I kind of like this Argentina team. And I also think, they're ready to stand up for Messi at all turns. You know, he, I think one of the reasons that this team also can win, they got a young number nine that's actually seems to be up for it, which is huge. He didn't, he didn't have a number nine that was scoring those goals in 2014, but he's got a bunch of guys in the midfield behind him and on defense behind him that are ready to fight for him and do all the heavy lifting and put him in those positions where he can be the magician that he is. And that's a pretty good combination to have. Yeah, no, it's going to be, it, I, I just, I'm so pumped. I, me and Tom will be over watching the game Let's go. at Casa de Bucati. <laughs> uh, it's going to be an absolute blast. I uh, I think I'm going to go in and predict. I, I think this game is going to go to penalties. I don't know why. I think it's going okay. to end in a 2-2 um, draw. I think we'll have like a high scoring actual game, but I think the, the goals are going to take a little bit. I don't think we're going to see, you know, just like goals in the first, what, like four minutes, like France had against uh, uh, Morocco just a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my prediction. I just feel like it's going to be a dramatic, it's going to be a dramatic game, which I'm here yeah, I, for. I think my, my prediction is that the first 15 to 20 minutes are actually going to be a snooze fest. I think both teams are going to be really cautious and they're not going to want to do anything to put themselves in a bad spot. I think we saw that Argentina played that way against Croatia. They kind of played on the back foot. You know, they, they invited Croatia forward a little bit. Um, And I think that France will be pragmatic about things as well. And, but then I think is it's kind of like one of those heavyweight fights, first couple rounds, two guys are feeling each other out, you know, maybe trying to get their timing see where they, they see opportunities on the field. And then at about the 30-minute mark, it's going to ramp up a little bit. And then the second half is just going to be absolutely epic. I'm going 2-1 Argentina. Oh, I like it. I like it. All right. Nate Bucati, thank you so much for the time. And uh, I'll see you this weekend. Go enjoy uh, the rest of your week. I know it's Benny's birthday as we record this on a Thursday. Happy birthday to uh, Benny Bucati. 
And uh, yeah, see you this weekend, my friend. Can't wait. We'll, we'll see if that 13-year-old makes it for the 9 o'clock kickoff. He usually sleeps till about noon on the weekends these, these days. But I feel like I got to wake him up for this one, right? I, I think, uh, <laughs> I think I don't know, are 13-year-olds allowed to drink coffee? Get him a, give him a nice little espresso. We'll get him a Mountain Dew or something. My growth. Yeah. No, I think that's what's done in my growth. I would get like iced coffees in the morning before school when I was like 16, definitely still growing. So that was <laughs> not wise on my part, but uh, Hey, for Andrew Weeby, Nate Bucati, thank you guys so much for joining the show. And thank, thanks to all of you for, for listening and um, for honoring and paying respects to Grant Wall's legacy as, as we kind of took the time to do here on the show today. He um, has certainly left a mark that uh, will last for a long, long time and, and really help shape the future of soccer here, both in the States and internationally as well. So rest in peace to Grant. Our hearts go out to, to his really close friends, family, colleagues, uh, just an indescribable loss to the soccer community. But um, hoping that I, I know Argentina held a, a massive place in his heart. He credited Argentina for shaping his love of the game. And I really hope that uh, they're able to get it done for him this weekend. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.